Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom. A reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and that it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are unique and amazing, and He has called you, and He will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly, and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, today we're chatting with Heather McFadden. You may know her as the host of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you don't already subscribe to her show, go do that right now. It's amazing. She's going to share her story today about how in the midst of one of the most difficult seasons of her life, God orchestrated a trip for her to the Holy Land. And she's going to share how that brought redemption to her story into this challenging season. She'll also share some insight into the places and the people of the Holy Land, as well as how understanding Judaism can help Christians really know the roots of our faith and understanding how Jesus lived. This is such a fascinating episode. So stay tuned. But first, I have a fun new resource for you for school year morning devotions, which we all know can get a little crazy. It's called Character Quest with Clive and Ian, and it's a series of five-minute family devotionals from JellyTelly.com. There's 12 devotionals, and they're going to help your kids learn all about 12 important character traits from the Bible, from generosity to courage to compassion and more. So each devotional includes a memory verse, a video, discussion questions, and a prayer prompt about that day's character trait. Now, if you're not familiar with Jelly Telly, Jelly Telly is an incredible website and app filled with over 300, yes, 300, hours of fun and exciting Bible-centered videos. So when your kids ask if they can have screen time, you can feel good about saying yes. From Veggie Tales to Torch Lighters, which is a series of videos about heroes of the faith, there's really something for everyone from a toddler to a teenager and let's be honest, adults too. I have to say my kids and I loved watching Torchlighters together this summer. Now, if you go to inspiretoaction.com forward slash jellytelly and use the coupon code INSPIRED, they're going to give you a free week and a coloring packet so that your kids can stay entertained, whether on screen or off. And when you go to inspiretoaction.com forward slash jellytelly, you can also check out that character quest with Clive and Ian, which is that five-minute family devotional series. So be sure and check that out. Again, that's inspiretoaction.com forward slash jellytelly, J-E-L-L-Y-T-E-L-L-Y, and use the coupon code INSPIRED to get your free week and your coloring packet and check out that five-minute family devotional series. All right, let's jump into our chat today with Heather McFadden. Heather, thank you so much for being on the Inspired to Action podcast today. Always my pleasure. Y'all, everything began in my life, so. Well, I, you know. Just, I was just going to say to everybody listening, Heather is one of my very most, very most, especially mostest, favoritest people wow. in the whole entirest worldest. Wow. That's a lot That's of superlatives. Yeah. And if my husband was here, he'd be like, I would say all of that about you. Like you've changed our family, you changed my life. I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing if it wasn't for you. We wouldn't be able to talk about Israel if it wasn't for you. So I'm just so excited. So for those of you listening, if you don't already listen to Heather's podcast, go do that. And you can just deep dive, get to know her. And she is just 
fun. She is an amazing podcaster because she's just absolutely fun to talk to and listen to and great interviewer. And yeah, so go listen. God Centered Mom podcast. It's amazing. Sweet. Heather, there might be one or two people who don't already know you. Okay. I I think there's more than that, but yes. Mm, I don't know. Questionable. (laughs) Will you say hi and just intro yourself real quick? Um, so yeah, I've been married for, uh, 18 years and to Bruce, and then I have four boys that are 11975 at the recording of this podcast. Four boys. Four boys. That's a lot of, there's a lot of boy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. And there, it's exponential. If anyone listening has more than one, which cat doesn't, but more than one is exponential energy. I can imagine. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I'm. I only have one. However, we did have a sleepover for him on (laughs) Friday night, and we had seven boys in the house. Seven ten-year-old boys. So um, I'm expecting my medal in the mail at some point, but I'm not sure when it's going to arrive. But or or your your invitation to the loony bed. That's not not a good idea. Ten ten, ten-year-old boys all together. If they could use that energy for good, this is the thing. I confess my husband really let out on that. So it was actually not super hard for me. My girls actually sat in my office and watched Princess Diaries too. Oh, see, that's cheating. You totally cheated. I don't (laughs) even have that. I don't even have that. So when we went to the backyard, your medal's been rebroked. Oh, no. Taken back. (laughs) Well, how about this? We went to the backyard and there was like just banshee yelling, screaming, a bunch of boys with no shoes, no socks, and no shirts running around screaming. And the inner, um, good neighbor was just like, oh, my neighbors hate me. Oh, my neighbors. <laughs> and I didn't do anything. I just let them, it, I let it be like Lord of the Flies. So I'm hoping to get my medal back. Well, yeah. Maybe. No, there's many times where I'm like, my neighbors, I I need to go make them <laughs> cookies or something. Okay. Well, you recently... Yes, let's get back. Yes. We're, you were, we're, we're gonna, we are going to stay on, <laughs> y'all, we are staying on track today. Both Heather and yeah. I are ENFP personality types on the Myers-Briggs personality type indicator so rabbit trails could be in our future but we are we are determined to be focused and it's going to be a great chat today because heather went to an amazing place and had an incredible experience and so just kind of tell us a little bit about where you went and then we'll dive into the impact of it so i'm going to pull back a little bit to october because uh that was when i didn't even know i had a dream to go to israel and I was actually, you could go back to September. I was uh, invited to. Are you going to be like, well, yeah. I was. No, born let's go back. To, I was 19... 11 years old and I was sitting. No. So I was interview. I was invited to be a part of an interview with Lisa Turker. So we all love Lisa. She's amazing. And she just happens to drop, hey, I'm going to Israel in March. If any of you want to come, I'll send you an email. I was like, oh my gosh, Lisa Turker's just invited me to go to Israel. And in March, I'm turning 40. This it was meant to be. This is incredible. Well, around the same time, my husband had quit his job and like we didn't know what the next thing was. And financially, like there's no way I could have paid for that trip. There was no way. That was just not an option. So even though I like really wanted to go with Lisa and it looked amazing and what a great 40th birthday, I I let the dream go. And then in October, I'm uh, with my family on a trip to Indy and I get a, a message from my friend Charity Reeb who is great. Check out her stuff. Good, bad, real life. And she says, Hey, would you like to go to Israel? Uh, Yeah. I was like, um, how did you, did I tell you? 
that I wanted to go to Israel? She was like, no. She said, there's a group going in March, and I was going to mention that they should invite you, um, but I wanted to check with you first. And I was like, this is surreal. And I texted back, how much is it? And she said, free. Free. And I like, for free. Have you seen Bedtime Stories? Yes. Watch it. Everybody should watch it. If if we had VidAngel, it would be even better, but we don't have video. Anyway, so I'm like, like, pinching me. So she's like, it's not for sure, but maybe, and I'll talk to them. And so I talked to the people there. Anyway, I got invited. And then... So that was October. And then November, I get the call that my mom has breast cancer. She and my dad were going to move in with me. Um, She starts chemo in December, and my dad immediately gets symptoms of liver cancer. And three weeks after that, he passes away. And I'm saying it like this so that I don't burst into tears. Cat knows. I've already cried before we even started recording. But just like if you've heard Cat's story and her amazing story of how Having her blog led compassion to invite her on a trip to the Philippines where she got to meet her family. Having this podcast, which was inspired by Miss Catley, led me to having a platform that allowed Israel Collective to invite me to go to Israel. And I didn't even know I needed it as badly as I did by the time we got to March. I, I was thinking it'd be a fun 40th birthday. I didn't realize my soul was like, just so thirsty after taking care of so many people. I would be driving my mom to chemo and visiting my dad in the hospital, helping out with his hospice care while my mom would barely eat. I had to like basically roll an office chair through my house to get my mom to my dad's bedside so that she could be with him on the day he died. And I was just totally bankrupt emotionally, physically, spiritually. And before I knew I needed it, God handed me the gift of Israel. And then on top of that, he's been drawing my heart toward the Hebrew language, which that's kind of random, right? Like what mom of four boys cares about Hebrew? But I've been studying Hebrew and like really getting involved in not just reading the Old Testament, but looking up the original meaning and my dad, for my entire life, has been talking about Israel. He used to have a prophecy show back in the 80s on TV. He's written books on prophecy and, and Israel. And he's subscribed to like almost every like Christians for Israel site. And it just felt very full, full circle for mm-hmm. me to be in the place that he thought and cared and wrote about so much. And I was... Um, We'll get to all the places I visited that were meaningful because Jesus was there. But there was just one moment where I thought, I just want to be able to call my dad and tell him, you know, what I'm seeing and who I'm hearing from. And God just pressed upon me. He says, he's right here with me and he's seeing every second. And um, he's seeing more than if he'd been walking on the earth. He's he's there with you. And anyway, so I told Kat I'd probably cry, but. And I told is, her she could cry. <laughs> that's the meaning behind the trip. And, you know, part of me was like, oh, people are going to be jealous that I'm going on this trip. But then after all the tragedy that happened, I was like, you go on, be jealous. You want the good, you got to get the bad. You, <laughs> you be jealous of my life because um, it all comes together. It all I, comes together. I just love how redemptive that all is. That Because here's the thing. 
if you had gotten that message any later, you would have right. said no. Right. November, I would have said no. And yeah. if you were paying for it, you probably no. would have said no. Yep. So tell yep. us a little bit about what's Israel Collective. Why did they want you to go on this trip? So it's a really cool group. It's Christians United for Israel started Israel Collective, and they fund these trips where they invite Christian leaders. Like, it was cool to just be with people from all different types and walks of life who are doing amazing things and love Jesus. So rappers and former NFL football players and musicians and writers and... Can you name drop a little bit? <laughs> well, you can look at my pictures. I tag people, but if you, you should follow every single person that was on the trip because they're all amazing. There's um, Kevin Bacon's foundation president, Stacy. She was there. So now, Kat, you are three degrees from Kevin. <laughs> I was totally lining up my question to say something about, was it six Bacon. degrees, seven degrees? It's normally six and he created a foundation for it. Okay. Um, because he connects celebrities with different smaller charities that wouldn't be able to get the celebrity backing. So that's yeah, how he's that's using really it. Cool. Right. He's doing good. Yeah. And, you know, uh, just really amazing people. But um, they do that because now this is the part that mom's listening. You may be shocked by because it's not our generation, but the college kids and high schoolers are being taught um, to hate Israel. And uh, there's a lot of anti-Semitism growing. There was even in the news last week, a New York high school teacher in a debate had kids defend the Holocaust. And I even saw like, you know, those horrible Westboro Baptist people or whatever they are that are always protesting everything. They were saying we should hate the Jews because they killed Jesus. And having visited the Holocaust Museum, that's how that started. It was Christians hating Jews because they killed Jesus. Mm. And, and, And I don't know, like everyone's story in Sunday school is different. But I remember sometimes hearing from Sunday school teachers how it was amazing that the same Jews who welcomed Jesus on Palm Sunday were the ones that said crucify him. But I learned a lot more about the Jews. And those weren't the same people. Those wouldn't have been the same groups. There was uh, ranking, there was um, education, and and that wasn't true. So um, those who were cheering and welcoming Jesus were the ones who'd seen him do the miracles. They were the ones who had spent time with him on this, you know, mm-hmm. at the Mount Beatitudes. Anyway, I thought that was I thought everything was interesting, but I yeah I can't yeah just following an Instagram was fascinating, and that is the tiniest <laughs> snapshot of what you experienced. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and can, can I just yeah. say, yeah. I, you didn't name drop this one, but my daughters and I were highly, can I just say jealous, highly jealous of the fact that you went with Mariah Peters because she's a musician, for those of you who don't know, and um, a fantastic one. And I don't remember if it was a Instagram post that you shared or just a story, but she sang like just this acapella oh, thing yeah. in this room. And I think my girls and I may have watched it like 10, 20 times or like half the views yeah. uh, of your yeah. thing. Just phenomenal. Uh, she's, she's great. She's so high energy, youthful. We would joke that they were the most gorgeous couple to watch. Her husband is from for King or Country. and But just like honestly, so I got to New York the day before my birthday and the day of my 40th birthday, I was in a JFK Sheraton. It wasn't even like it was just like a regular old airport hotel. 
um, for my whole birthday. And then like at 7.45 p.m., we got on our flight to Israel. So I spent my birthday with complete strangers mm. in a hotel, which, you know, I had expectations of. I celebrated before. These are still amazing people. And um, Charity and I had amazing breakfast. But those sweet for King or Country people thought about me. And when they went to get Starbucks, they went and got me a cookie. And they had Happy Birthday Heather on the outside of the cookie container thing, the paper. And then they sang to me from the elevator. Like they were just so thoughtful and the whole trip so thoughtful of others. It wasn't like this, we're the celebrities and you are all average people. It was like, we love people and we love you. Yeah. Mariah though, she said if we were, she, we were stranded on an island, she kind of puts rules for everyone and I was going to be the mom, (laughs) which worked because I helped take care of people. I couldn't, I couldn't help but help. Care, take care of people so so yeah was it intimidating to go on this trip did you know ahead of time okay this is two questions did you know ahead of time that it was going to be emotional for you and then was mm-hmm. it intimidating to go on the trip knowing that it might be if you knew that so I was intimidated because I hadn't traveled by myself internationally since um, college when I studied in Oxford so I had always had Bruce with me when we'd gone to Africa or South America and Europe. So there was a little bit of like, oh my goodness, I have not done this in a really long time. We're talking like 20 years. So where's my passport and where's, you know, like basic details. Like I didn't want to mess up and look like an idiot. And then when we were flying to New York, Charity and I, the entire flight, I was crying. Like it was like, I finally had the freedom to let all the emotions out because when you're a mom and you're trying to grieve, but you're trying to take care of people. They don't want to see you cry all the time. So I finally was letting it out to poor charity. And then I was like, oh my goodness, we have to go right into this dinner where we meet everyone. And these are impressive people. And I don't want to look like the crying mom. Um, But wouldn't you know, everyone stands up and does their amazing thing. And then it's my turn. And I'm like, start crying from the very outset. Um, but it did provide a level of vulnerability that after me, it seemed that anyone who shared was more open about their personal side and not just their resume Mm -hmm. side. Um, and I had several people say after they're like, I just want to stand up and give you a hug. And, and I knew I could trust you when I saw, you know, so there's, you know, there's this fear we have of opening up and letting people see our soft underbelly. But I found that few people like they don't like it. Like Mm -hmm. most people appreciate it. They feel welcomed in to your life that you trust them. And anyway, so absolutely agree. Yeah. And some people were like, I'm praying for your safety. I felt safer in Israel than I do here. We were in Jerusalem and there were little kids like three years old walking around by themselves with their little prayer shawls and their yarmulkes and adorable. Um, I was like a mamarazzi taking pictures. Of life. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I'm curious, why, why do you say that? In what way did you feel safer there than you feel here? You know, the Israel has, I don't know if mom's listening to this, but they have an army, the IDF, and it is required for everyone to serve. And so everyone's kind of aware of the protection of the country. There are people, soldiers walking around the city with Uzis 
all the time. And you would think that would make you feel unsafe. But they have been really well trained on how to use them. And they're protecting everyone's right to worship. It is a true democracy in Israel. So they're protecting the Muslims. They're protecting um, the Christians and the Catholics and the Jews, everyone, so that they can worship freely. Uh, there's a wall that's been built between the West Bank and Israel. So for those that maybe you've heard words like Palestine and Israel and West Bank and Gaza and all those words are kind of like, I don't know what people are talking about. Um, there's two groups, the Israelis and the Palestinians, and they both are claiming land. And one solution they've come up with is like a two state situation. And one way they've helped with the violence that was happening is to create this wall and to work together on the security measures to protect them from radical Islamic attacks. So not all Muslims are radical, not not that most most Muslims are not. There's a group of radical Islamics that want to hurt others. And um, that's what we're seeing in Syria. Gaza is controlled by um, a group that is not cooperating. It's a little bit trickier there. West Bank is cooperating right now. and uh, But they are led by a leader that was elected 12 years ago, uh, but for a four-year term. And is and, overstaying their welcome. And is overstaying his welcome and probably maybe won the election not like <laughs> right. Would yeah. So the way you'd imagine like, somebody overstaying their welcome would win an election. Yeah, yeah. But this we met with the architect of this wall and it's he never displaced one person. He worked really hard to go around communities. It's not a straight lined wall. Um it is very high tech, which is impressive. Like if to like if they throw a rock at it, they can sense that it's that's happening. If they dig, there's seismic measures that can tell that they're digging. Um, but then there's little checkpoints. So they allow Palestinians to come in to Israel to work. Thousands of them come in a day to work. and But this wall and these checkpoints have stopped 400 terrorist attacks this year. Wow. Yeah. Wait, what? what it's... Um... Early in the year, it's not even well. Yet. Okay, spring. so the this the full year. Like okay, the calendar year. Okay, year. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. full year since since the last year. So, they're they they're doing their best to help keep the peace. And like one, uh, we had an Arab Muslim journalist meet with us who lives in Israel. He loves living in Israel because he can write freely without fear of being attacked. Again, the people loved Israel because of the democracy. In that region, there's so much chaos. Mm -hmm. um, another military strategist met with us and he said, there's not borders between us and Syria. You have borders with countries. And Syria is not a country. It's not ruled by one government. Uh, Lebanon's not a country. Hezbollah and ISIS are fighting each other. There's not like, we can't talk to a governing body and say, here's our line. It's, it's impossible. You can't negotiate if there's no government. Right. So that to me was interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, they just, there's constant chaos around them and they're doing their best to protect their people and allow people inside Israel to worship freely, to live freely as best they can. And so I feel like they're doing a good job doing that. I felt very safe there. So Is you, that your uh, question? Well, yes, no, it does. It <laughs> does. go on and on and on all this stuff. No, it's fascinating. And I appreciate kind of that overview and glimpse of just the situation there. Um, yeah. Because it would be easy for us to just start this conversation and dive into, oh, you went to this place and oh, you went to that place. Yeah. But I think it's important to understand 
the situation that's happening there now and 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 what people who live there face on a daily basis because it's kind of like they're trying to live this simple peaceful life in the middle of a giant riot. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll tell you, you know, people talk about traditional sites and where did you go and Sea of Galilee and Jerusalem. Bethlehem's in Palestine. Hmm. So we crossed the wall and went into Palestine and visited Bethlehem and had lunch there, met with a Baptist pastor there who his dad had started the church. Um, the Baptist pastor we met with has been uh, completely beat up, persecuted by Muslims there. Um, but he broadcasts his sermons every other Sunday from the rooftop uh, and is bold in sharing his faith. He cannot proselytize or try to convert youth from Islam to Christianity, but they're finding Christianity and they're choosing to convert. Mm -hmm. um, we weren't allowed to put pictures of the kids who were a part of their worship team, for example, or, you know. Right. It isn't, there's, you know, we met privately with some Palestinian Christians and we couldn't say who they were, but they were just, it's just amazing, like that they're choosing Christ in the face of persecution is a reminder of how easy we have it. Um, and when Americans are saying Israel's bad and Palestine's good, I don't, I don't think they know the whole story. It's so much more complex. Mm -hmm. Even these settlements so that's in the news right now, there's like three layers of settlements. I don't, Americans just try to simplify and put in boxes and it, this is not a boxable thing. We're talking about religious, ethnic, cultural overlay. So if in the, in the Syrian war, you can't have people switch sides like in a typical civil war because your side is picked by where you were born. You are born this group. Does that make sense? Yes. So you can't be like, well, I'm no longer going to be that. So it just prolongs the conflict anyway. And I would imagine it's easy for our, you know, our 300 year old, country selves to <laughs> put in a box a situation yeah. as opposed to a yeah. country that's been around forever. We you were visiting I mean? a small town uh, in Israel, Gush Halav, that was uh, where Peter, I think, grew up or Paul, one of, I think Peter. And it is an Aramaic Christian community. And the pastor there, first of all, he taught us how to say the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic, which is uber cool that sounds super cool like super holy moment can you uh, do it was, no <laughs> can't remember that but it was super cool he's very passionate about uh, preserving this original language and he had an aramaic bible that was older than the united states <laughs> like he had it personally yeah we saw it like we took pictures of it and we touched it and yeah wow like it's not in a museum it's just his. no 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 he has it because there's lots of old things there. It's, everything's old. Everything's old. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was very cool. Very, very, very cool. That's what our tourists said. You will think it's very cool. Very cool. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the impactful places that you yeah. went, the things that you saw and how it impacted your faith. Like, I, I really like what you just said about those Palestinian believers. And mm. I can only imagine the depth of their faith because right. of what they have chosen and what they're in the midst of. Um, yeah, it just it just blows me away. And so uh, 
what are some of the places that you went, some of the things that really impacted you? So if anyone listening, if you grew up in the church, sometimes maybe the Bible can, you know, be a little too familiar. We heard a quote from Jerome, an old historian, who said, there's five Gospels, the fifth is the Holy Land, and it helps you read the other four. And it is so true. When I was in my hotel room, yes, had my own hotel room every night. Let's just talk as moms. That was amazing. Um, I'm sitting in my hotel room, looking out on the balcony to the Sea of Galilee, reading about it, reading about Jesus walking on the water that I'm looking at. That just, it's totally different. Or when we got there, we went to Caesarea, or they call it Caesarea or Caesarea. You can say different things. That's where Paul left to start telling Gentiles about Jesus. Like, that's where we got woven in to the story. And at the end of our trip, we were in Tel Aviv, in Joppa, and that's where um, Peter got the vision that he should go to Cornelius and that, you know, the unclean animals came down yeah. in the vision. And so he goes to, to Caesarea. That's that place that we started at. So we got to see like the whole completion and they're not that far. Like it was easier for me to imagine it. Oh, OK, we're here. And then he, he went there. Um so just the proximity of things, if you've ever heard anyone talk about Israel, when you read about and then they walked here and then they went there, it doesn't seem so hard to imagine when you're there. Mm -hmm. But we started on the Sea of Galilee and saw a lot of where Jesus did his ministry. And um, Capernaum is a small town um, where they believe like when the friends brought the par the paralyzed man to be healed, that happened there. If you read, um, I think it's in John, there's a scripture of, of something Jesus was preaching, I'm the bread, and he says, in Capernaum, in the mm -hmm. synagogue in Capernaum. And we were standing in that synagogue when our leader read that verse. And whenever we were standing somewhere and they read the words where Jesus was, it was like layer upon layer of just like, oh, holy, holy moment. Uh, uh, being on, Yeah, being on the Mount, Mount of Beatitudes. And it was like almost sunset in the mountains, and you can see the sea, and one of our... Um, uh, team members, Dave Willis, he and his wife have stronger marriages on Facebook. Um, it's like a million followers on Facebook. Crazy. But they were, he's an amazing, amazing guy. And he had memorized Matthew five. And so he was reciting it for us at the Mount of Beatitudes. And like, as he's gesturing, you're seeing, oh, that's why Jesus said that. Like, and he's talking about the birds and we're hearing the mm -hmm. birds and he's talking about the flowers and the flowers are right there. And the city on the hill and we can see the city on the hill like it was so mind-blowing to be hearing those words right there um and then you know we're we took a boat ride on the sea of galilee at sunset and one of our uh guys on our trip um, john wiley he said he heard his pastor talking about when they when the disciples were fearful and the waves and the crashing and they asked jesus to um calm the storm and then calm the waves, Jesus rebuked the wind. And so it was this whole lesson to us of like, it was sometimes the thing that we are thinking is the problem, the waves or the, mm. the actual cause of our disruption isn't the thing. And so Jesus knows where to come in and what to calm and what to, to change in our situation. Uh, where we, you know, just trusting him in that was a really cool moment. That's really insightful. I like that. Right. Um, let's see. And, you know, we stood on the Mount of Olives, which I never realized the Mount of Olives 
is a hillside that looks into Jerusalem. Now, so you, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, now, I'll, you have a lot of pictures on your Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. So can you tell people in case they're at a place where they can kind of scroll through as you're sharing some of this, what, <laughs> what's your Instagram? God-centered mom. That's easy. Yeah, yeah. God-centered mom. Yeah, so we're, uh, and it was hard for me to share pictures in the moment because I didn't have Wi-Fi, and, but I tried at least at the end of the day to share one picture. And we wouldn't have known the difference, so. No, right, right, right. You guys were on a totally different time zone, too. And the, um, this going to be a super dorky uh, comparison. However, it feels so applicable to me. So we're we're planning our summer vacation. Yes, you're driving. We're driving. We're going to hit New England this year. And after this summer vacation, I think we'll have hit four. We'll have six states left besides Alaska and Hawaii. So we are hitting New York City, and we're trying to decide where to stay between a hotel that we can stay at, like a you know regular small hotel. Or no, you know, regular hotel, small room because it's New York City, or this old house that we have access to that's like a kind of a hostel type place, just nicer mm-hmm. and um, not fancy, but not scary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, so this hostel, Corey Ten Boom has stayed there and Elizabeth Elliott oh. has stayed there. It's oh. like four ministry people. And oh. so we have been just literally going back and forth. My husband and I, our kids, and I asked my daughter, I was like, hey, sweetie, wh- where do you think we should stay? She's like, hmm, a plain old hotel like we normally stay at or the place where Corey Ten Boom stayed. Mom, right? it's not a question. And that's mm-hmm. just Corey Ten Boom. You know, I, I mm-hmm. absolutely love her. My kids love her. But it's amazing to me how it impacts our entire decision and vacation, the fact that she was once there and it's just right. Corey Ten Boom. And so that's just the tiniest sliver of a glimpse of how impactful this trip must have been to you that Mm -hmm. Jesus was in the spot that you were at the places. I mean, yeah, I just am sort of someone, someone on our trip. I think it was Barnabas Piper. His dad's John Piper. He said, those of us who grew up in the church, it is harder. It's easy for us to believe that Jesus is God. It is harder for us to believe that he was a man. Mm. And I totally think that's true. Like he ate here, he walked here. And then even as Christians, I think there's an element of the of us that, oh, he did the Jewish things? Like, he, what? I thought Jews couldn't be Christians. Like it just, it's very like culturally to see what, he would have done mm-hmm. as a Jewish man. Um, one like part he of wasn't trip, American. Right. <laughs> he didn't have blue eyes and, and blonde hair. So to like on one thing I told you, I studied, he, I was like looking at Hebrew words. I'm kind of obsessed with Hebrew words. And I was like, if I could just like hang out with a rabbi for part of our trip and like, you know, pick his brain on a few things. Well, on my birthday, on the plane ride, God set me next to, a adorable Orthodox Jewish couple. So if you fly into Israel and you fly on El El on, I think that's what it's called, El on. El out. No. Oh yeah, that gosh. sounds right. Oh. They it's uh it's the Israeli airline and they are the only ones that serve like a kosher meal and um like a, there's a specific type of kosher meal, like a gallet or something, where they've even checked the lungs to make sure they don't have infection kind of thing. Wow. Anyway, yeah. And they allow the Orthodox Jews to get up and to pray together. So I sat next to him and took pages of notes on just, you know, Jewish tradition that that he has. And 
uh, one thing I didn't know, you know, I knew that they prayed three times a day that Jesus would have prayed. And there's a thing called a minion in the Orthodox Judaism. Okay. I'm totally picturing the little yellow guys. No yellow guys. There's no yellow guys. It's a different kind of minion. I know it's going to be totally fine. So they have to get 10 men gathered together. And so there would be guys walking up and down the aisles of the airplane, like kind of, they would say something to each other as they knew what they were saying. I didn't, um, inviting them to pray with them. And to be the 10th man is considered a blessing because we think shalom is peace, which it is, but it's really completion. It's like the finish. Hmm. And so it's like shalom or the blessing is like the completion. So to be the completion of the minion is a blessing. So they, you know, these men got up and they prayed and in the galleys of the airplane and, and, uh, they apologize, you know, they're apologizing to one of the flight attendants and he said, are you kidding? You're the reason this plane is staying up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so there's just a lot of faith, uh, to be had in the Jewish community. They keep 613 commandments. Wow. Yeah. They keep 613 commandments. Um, we got to go into a Israeli home and celebrate Passover with them. Not Passover. Scratch that. The Passover coming, the Shabbat dinner, oh. which is every Friday. It's Sabbath, so every Friday at sunset, um, we went to the Wailing Wall first, and then we went into this home. And this couple, they have a ministry, um, Shabbat for Life, where they invite different groups into their home. So every Friday, they'll have like thirty to forty people that they serve this meal to, and it was unbelievable. That's the video you saw of Mariah. Okay. Technically, we were not supposed to videotape it. There was so much Heather. More- I know, I know, but it was too good. And I saw that her husband was, and I was like, well, I can too. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad you did, frankly. Oh, man. There was so much other amazing, like it's the rappers rapped and one of their Jewish friends, he rapped. And there was, it was interesting. Everyone gives a blessing at the end. So every single one of us stood up. <laughs> was that nerve wracking? No. Mm-mm. No. Okay, good. It feels like no. it would be nerve wracking. No, it was amazing. And it was even interesting. There were a lot of Jewish students intermingled with us. And so uh, one guy was talking about it was they have a tradition called the mikvah. It's the where they would clean themselves before worship. And uh, it's a ritual. And they would do it every time when they went into Jerusalem um, or doing something unclean or interacting with blood. And so that's where our baptism comes from is this mikvah. Um, and one of the students works at the aquarium and he was just talking about, um, the going in and the coming out and the cleansing. And he, he said, I feel like this meal is like our mikvah and we have a new life going. I was like, like they would say things that, so at the beginning of the meal, you bless the wine and you bless the bread. (laughs) Of course, the communion, like. I just, if, if Christians want to really know God and our faith and the roots, we need to know Judaism. We need to know what Jesus did. It just, it, it makes everything come to life more if you would open yourself up to that. But then I would say when we went to the wailing wall, what God, I was there praying and they separate men from women. There's a, there's a wall between them um and it was their shabbat so they were all dressed up in their traditional garb based on where they're from where their original group of jews were from and you know the men were like excited and loud and joyful and praising and the women were more subdued uh there was one little group that started singing as we were leaving um 
but I thought, you know, a tradition is to take a written prayer. You write it beforehand because writing is work. So you can't, they'll, they'll stop you if you're writing at the wall. Got it. But we had one written ahead of time that we wrote in the bus and I was going to put it in the wall and I was praying and I just like kept feeling this, like Jesus saying like, I'm not here. Hmm. Like they're worshiping this wall because to them, that is the last remaining piece of the temple, the original temple. Well, not the original Herod's temple, which is the third one, but that's where God's present dwelt presence dwelt for them. When that tabernacle and that temple went away, that stopped their ability to sacrifice that stopped their ability to follow the law in that way. So the closest they can get is to go to the wailing wall. That's their closest they can get to God's presence. Mm. And God just kept pressing on me. I'm with you. My presence is with you. I'm not in the wall. But he did say, draw near to me with the passion and the dedication and the discipline Mm. that they are. Free yourself from distraction. Like they're very adamant. No phones. Like no phones during that Shabbat meal. No phones that entire next day. Um, They don't. They walk everywhere. They are with their family. Um, there's so much joy to be had in not working on Sabbath, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. truly rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was powerful to learn from them, but also have the truth that Jesus, you know, he fulfilled the law and he he made a way so that the veil, the you know, between the holy and holies and us that was torn and we get to be with him and he is in us all the time we are his temple now how would you say is there one primary way this trip has impacted you now that you've been back a little bit i was really filled with joy and i was a little nervous to come back and have it be stolen and it has been hard to you know, do the dailiness of motherhood and hear my kids fight and complain and not get sucked into it again. And I'm just really wanting to bring that joy and life um, and the reality of Christ's death for us back here, back mm-hmm. here. Because I saw the tomb and it's empty. Like, it's true. Like, he's he's risen. He's not there. Um, yeah, that would be what I brought back. Now, I would, there might be moms listening who are like, well, I'm never going to get to go to Israel. And I just, you know, I want to say, first of all, honestly, we have no idea. I never thought I would get to go to the Philippines. I don't know if Heather ever thought she'd get to go to Israel. We do not know what God has ahead of us. Um, but I do understand that in the midst of motherhood, in the midst of crazy, I don't think I'm going to, you know, I'm lucky if I get to the grocery store, much less anywhere more <laughs> exotic than that. Yeah, right. How can we get a taste of what you experienced. How can we um, glimpse that and deepen our faith and deepen our understanding of not just, you know, reading our Bibles from an American worldview, but really understanding it at a deeper and more historical level and then apply that to the faith that we have? Yeah, I'd say a couple different layers. One, I was hanging out with a lot of young people. So I was reminded that I had come away from just enjoying life. You know, I think as moms, we can just not lie to life, enjoy it. Even the mom who hosted our Shabbat dinner, she has four kids, but there was more joy in her face than I've seen on my face in a long time. Mm -hmm. So um, you can reconnect with joy without going to Israel. 
And I would say the Sabbath, we can learn something from, from that. I know we don't have to keep it. It was, it was made for man. <laughs> like it was made for us too, because God knows how we're wired. So, um, we can learn from all the Jewish traditions and still have the grace and the presence of God with us. So, you know, I remember taking classes at our church that they offered. I'm sure there's stuff online or courses that you could learn more about Jewish tradition. Um, and then I would just, you know, ask God, like, show me, show me you in my everyday. Like, don't assume that he can't because he is with you and you don't have to go to the Holy Land. It's amazing to me that the entire world wants to go to this tiny piece of land on our earth. Mm -hmm. Like all the different nations were there. I saw Asian, African, European, everyone gathering in this tiny little strip of land. So to me, that just reinforces the truth of the story that we follow and believe in. Um, And so, you know, be educated, but at the same time, recognize that God can do holy work right where you are. Uh, we don't have to be on a mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee uh, to feel his that same presence with us. Can you quantify just real quick, how big is Israel? Oh, my stars. I'm terrible at this kind of stuff. Like terrible. I'm sure someone told us. It's not big. I'm, I bet if you went from like we were at the very top. I bet it's like a four-hour drive from the top to the bottom. Oh wow! So, so and that would be that like Texas with traffic. Terms. That would be with traffic too, because there was a lot of traffic. In Texas terms, it's like not when far. you go to Houston, mm-hmm. Dallas to San Antonio. I'm thinking. I'm, oh, you, I'm, all I'm, you know, I'm, someone's going to hear this, and you're like, "This is worthless." Someone's hearing this and saying she's an idiot. That's not. <laughs> it is longer though than it is wide. So. It's just, it, if you think of the entire world, it is so tiny. It's so tiny and so valued uh, and, and for so many different religions. It's holy, holy ground for the Muslims. It's holy ground for the Jews. It's crazy. It's mind-blowing to think about. And all of the things, like there's a cemetery on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem. And it's because the Jews believe there's a, there's a gate on the old city of Jerusalem that they believe Jesus will come in the Messiah. They say the Messiah. Uh, we believe it's the second coming. They believe it's the first coming. And so they're all facing that gate. Hmm. Uh, there's another a Valley range that you can see from the Mount of Beatitudes. Um, and they believe the Messiah will come through the middle of the, that Valley. Well, that's the way that you would have come from Nazareth to Galilee. And Jesus did travel that road. Wow. He did. Yeah. So all that stuff is pretty cool. I I loved the Garden of Gethsemane. That was my absolute favorite. That's where Jesus and I hung out. And I just cried until boogers covered my entire face. (laughs) He wept blood. You wept boogers. I did did not. Yeah, yeah, I didn't identify that way. But yeah, I boogered all over. You know, one thing that you shared that really stuck out to me is you're talking about joy and then talking about Sabbath. And if I could just... You know, nobody has to do this, but if I could just get a little, give a little homework. Yeah. Uh, I would challenge everyone to, one, really learn about the Sabbath, and I'm challenging myself as well because I don't know as much about it as I ought, but I have been thinking a lot more lately about rest and the importance of it and the value of it and the impact of it. And I, this is this is an analogy that only moms will, will really understand, <laughs> but I wonder if Sabbath is something like, you know, holy nap time. 
we, mm. we know we know our kids need nap time. You know, as they get older, they don't have to have nap time, but we know that it's going to be a blessing to them. And uh, again, that is not a holy analogy. However, in our especially in our world, you're talking about joy, and I just feel like we have such a go 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 society and such yeah. a um, you know we're always thinking about the next thing, always thinking about what's next on the calendar, and just that forced time you know, quote unquote, force time of just stopping and actually kind of, you know, kind of like as a child, um, having a parent say, okay, you have to go to your room and you have to just do nothing and lay there. And nobody, Mm -hmm. no kid likes that, but there is such rest and such peace actually in that. And I think if we took that on, uh, especially as moms, it's so hard to find that rest and find that peace. And so if we just accepted that challenge of, you know, I'm just going to choose to set things down. I'm choosing to just turn off so much of the the whirlwind around me. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we would find greater joy and greater yep. peace. Yep. Yep. So, Amen. There you go. That's your challenge, everybody. That's your homework. And people will say, oh, I can't do that. I have kids. I have to feed them. That's different. That's, that's different. You know. Right. You know the thing that you need to set down. Yes. God will tell you. That's your, that's your conviction, not... It's not condemnation. It's for you. And it doesn't have to be a lot of things. It doesn't have to be everything. We don't have to be like, okay, everybody just No, it's not legalistic. It's just, you know, doing, uh, giving yourself permission to not check all the things or giving yourself permission to sit and -hmm. just sit outside and listen to the birds or whatever thing you would normally not make space for or not feel like you had permission to make space for. Yep. So, Heather, there you go. if people want to find out more um, about the trip, about Israel Collective, and about you, give us all the links, Instagrams, whatever. Um, Israel Collective, I think you could just, that's .com, I'm pretty sure. Uh, or just Google it, Israel Collective, and on Instagram, that's what they are. And then same, GodCenterMom.com, GodCenterMom on all the things, all yep. the things. I totally encourage you to check out her Instagram and and. Especially, you know, if you want to go back and listen to her sharing some of these stories again and then flipping through the pictures, I think that would be incredibly powerful. That would be good. Heather, thank you so much for sharing. Thanks, Kat, for being all that you are, inspiring me to action every day. Well, thanks for helping us all to be more God-centered moms. (laughs) Okay, you guys are like, everybody listening, you're like rolling your eyes. Okay, guys, hit stop. Okay, Heather, I'm so thankful for you and excited that we got to chat today, and I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you, Miss Kat. All right, bye. Bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you would take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, 
You're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning. The house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with his grace, his grace and sweet new mercy. May my thoughts. 